0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Atlantic Council. My name is Tom Cunningham. I'm the Deputy Director of the Global Energy Center. I just want to note we have a missing minister, Kurtika, and we hope that he comes in a moment. He disappeared. Um, So Deputy Director of the Global Energy Center, I want to welcome you especially. This is our first event in Washington after our very successful Global Energy Forum in Abu Dhabi earlier in January. Very pleased to welcome our guests today, Mr. Dominique Restori, Director General for Energy of the European Commission, Dr. Michał Kurtika, who will be in in a moment, and I will make a wink when he comes in so you know. Mr. Uh, Piotr Niemski, Secretary of State in the Prime Minister's Chancery and the Government's Plenipotentiary for Strategic Energy Infrastructure with the Republic of Poland. My boss, Ambassador Richard Morningstar, a founding director and chairman of the Global Energy Center and former ambassador to the uh, European Union. And last but not least, Miss Emily Meredith, who's the Deputy Bureau Chief of Energy Intelligence. She will moderate. We will have, I'm, I'm just gonna introduce everyone and get out of the way, and Mr. Ristori will give some opening remarks. Minister kurtika will give some opening remarks and then we'll have a panel conversation. I want to say very quickly before we begin, though, that the Atlantic Council represents these Atlanticist values, free trade, um, good relationships with our friends and allies, strong alliances. And the Global Energy Center wants to espouse those values and build those values in the energy space. There's some brochures up front about our center, and we're very interested in partnering with you if you're interested. Come see any of us on the team talk about ways we can work together. Um, this is a very important topic at a very important time. We um, This is one of the first visits of Europeans to talk specifically about energy issues in Washington. We're very eager to hear their perspectives. We at the Energy Center have done some of our own research and analysis on this issue. You'll see up front we have a report from our um, chairman of our Energy Advisory Board, David Goldwyn, on the energy outlook under a Trump administration. So take a... Grab one of those on your way out. I also want, also want to say that uh, today is important in the context of our Wroclaw Global Forum and the Three Seas Initiative, promoted by Poland and supported by the European Commission, thank you, that has its roots in a 2014 report called Completing Europe from the North-South Corridor to Energy, Transportation, and Telecommunications Union. Polish President Andrzej Duda and Croatian President Kolina grabar kitarovic in 2016, in Dubrovnik, led discussions on a rechristened Three C's initiative. In that declaration, concluding that meeting, the participants agreed to reconvene with our annual Wroclaw Global Forum, which will be held in July 6th and 7th. This Three C's summit will convene presidents, ministers, and business leaders from 12 European Union member states, as well as representatives from the United States. There are also plans to include high-level officials from Ukraine, Georgia, Moldova, and Turkey. That's it from me. Now please welcome to the stage Dominique Ristori, Director General for Energy with the European Commission. Thank you
1: very much, Tom, uh, Minister, Ambassador, Dear Richard. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very pleased to be here this morning in the Atlantic Council. Last time in Washington, it was just after the end of the U.S. Transatlantic Energy Council. And Richard, you have been the, the pioneer, the architect of this uh, fantastic approach. Accordingly, I'm very pleased, together with my, some of our colleagues and partners in Europe, Polish colleagues today, at an important time. At the time you have in the U.S. a new president, you will have also soon those in charge of uh, diplomacy and energy. But let me say, first of all, EU-U.S. energy cooperation has been a real transatlantic success story. And this has been possible because, first of all, we share the same values and the same vision regarding open and competitive energy market. The same values and the same approach regarding non-politicized energy market. And this should remain one important point in the context of our bilateral relation and cooperation on energy. And I would like also to pay tribute to the US to the support given to Europe regarding the implementation full implementation of our EU acquis on energy, in particular the third energy package. But we had also in common the same vision regarding energy security. And uh, we had a lot to do in the recent past, particularly oriented to diversification, diversification of suppliers and diversification of routes in particular in some areas where we have some member states more vulnerable or only dependent to one dominant supplier and as you know and my polish colleague can uh, or will confirm that we made and we are making a lot of progress for example we signed uh, last year in margin of an european council the uh, new gas interconnector between Poland and Lithuania. And uh, we will do the thing in order to consolidate that. But we manage also for electricity, important projects, including those from Poland to the Baltic, Litpol, as well as North Baltic, from Sweden to the Baltic countries, with a new capacity already operational of more than 1200 megawatt And I could also add many of the projects already signed or in progress, from, for example, uh, Finland and Estonia, the Baltic interconnector but also many others in the context of Central and Southeast Europe. And uh, this will remain and should remain an important priority because, as you know, missing key interconnections are representing an obstacle to competitive market and to energy independence. But we had also in common the capacity to act together into the direction of clean energy. Clean and at the same time competitive. Because, and we presented just at the end of November, the most important legislative package ever presented in the history of uh, energy in Europe, the clean energy, for all Europeans package with eight legislative proposals but presented in the sense of uh, offering a unique opportunity a unique economic opportunity for all Europeans including European economy because when we are pushing new energies when we are pushing energy efficiency, for example. The renovation of all existing parks, 80% of our parks. This is opening fantastic new possibilities in terms of market. And behind, you have the construction sector, 18 million of jobs in Europe, 8% of GDP. You have engineering industries, 11 million sub jobs, and uh, you have steel. it's impossible to do the things properly in the construction sector without using steel. And I know how this is important also in the United States. Accordingly, managing a shift into the direction of uh, a more cleaner energy is not at all abandoning competitiveness, the support to economic growth and creation of jobs. We believe, we firmly believe it is possible, yes, in particular in the context of implementation of Paris Agreement, it is possible to combine economic development, development of GDP and at the same time cutting emissions and reducing energy consumption. This is uh, an important challenge, requiring also the mobilization of all our intelligence. And I have in mind, in particular, research, new technologies, innovation, covering the whole chain of energy, the whole chain of energy, generation, transmission, distribution, but also storage and demand and requiring also to adapt the rules of a regulatory framework in order to facilitate this process. I will not prejudge, and it is not possible to prejudge, some uh, evolution regarding uh, U.S. energy policy, but I am convinced we will have a lot To do in common regarding all this important front, I mean the open and competitive global market, enriched now by more quantities of energy also arriving from the US, but also energy security, but also some key aspects of sustainability. And uh, I hope we will be in a situation to prolong your tua, Ambassador, contributing a lot to BWINT at the beginning of this process. Thank you very much for your attention.
0: Thank you. Now, Minister Niemski, the floor is yours.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Ministers, uh, thank you very much for inviting me uh, to this place. I do remember this place from the 90s. Atlantic Council is member of ATA, organization associated with NATO. It was the first NATO structure which was joined by Poles before we joined NATO. So thank you very much. We had good contacts and support from Atlantic Council at that time. Let me start quoting something, something we know very well, but anyway, it's time probably to remind it. The parties are determined to safeguard the freedom, common heritage, and civilization of their peoples founded on the principles of democracy, individual liberty, and the rule of law. They seek to promote stability and well-being in the North Atlantic area. 49. Cooperation between our countries is based on values, common interests, mutual trust, and necessary, deep commitment. But above all, we have to recognize that the world changes. Europe changes, America changes, and we have to adapt. We have to think about the security of now in our nations, having in mind what are the new threats are ahead of us. I believe that the energy security is one of the fundamentals of the security. Uh, as Uh, it should be. It's even more important with the time, sometimes it's even the most important. Safe deliveries of energy and energy sources, they could be a kind of a cornerstone for the independence and security of our economies and our countries. The truth is that energy security is to be saved and secure by our governments on a nation level. So the American government and our European governments, as we have them, you know, 28, they are responsible. It means that they must have tools for that. And uh, there is no international organization yet which uh, could replace our government in such a responsibility. If it is so, it's necessary to have cooperation between our countries on the governmental level, intergovernmental level. This is what is needed. And probably the uh, experiences we've got from NATO history is something which could be basis for future cooperation in energy probably we could, in a sense, expand NATO beyond military dimension to energy dimension. I believe it's worth to think about it. I believe that we can stay on the principle that our nations, every one of them, are first. America is first and France is first and Poland is first. First for our citizens, but we have to cooperate. And probably such a meeting like this one today, when the American government is in the transition and the European Union is in crisis, Probably it's good to start to talk about this kind of new cooperation. Thank you very much.
3: Um, Well, thank you all for coming. We really appreciate it and thank you Ambassador Morningstar and Tom for hosting this. Um, I wanted to, you know, jump right in here. We know more or less what a US approach to transatlantic energy cooperation looked like under the previous administration. There was a heavy emphasis on diversity of supplies um, and that translated to effort joint efforts on clean energy and climate change issues Um, and also there was some quite vocal opposition from the US government to additional routes for piped Russian gas Um, but that was the that's been the last four and eight years Um, so I wanted to start off with asking you all what you Hope transatlantic energy cooperation looks like under the Trump administration, and if you can, uh, what you're expecting it might look like. (laughs) Director General Story, do you want to start us off?
4: As our guest, why don't you start? Exactly. Yes. Okay.
5: (laughs) That's right. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for your question. Thank you for coming uh, today. Uh, It's uh, an important moment, a moment of transition, and uh, uh, it is interesting for us uh, from Europe, in particular from a country like Poland, uh, to be there in Washington and uh, to have the possibility to share our vision of uh, energy, and so I would like to thank Atlantic Council for organizing this meeting and also thank Dominique for sharing uh, this panel uh, with us. What has been the priority of Poland uh, since 10 years will not change. We have achieved a lot we have built a new LNG terminal, the biggest LNG terminal in Świnoujście in the Baltic Sea. Uh, and uh, right now we have the possibility to bring LNG from all over the world, including from the United States. Uh, and uh, to make sure that, uh, as Dominique said, the question of energy is not politicized, but that we can have a liquid, competitive, well-functioning market of uh, energy in Europe, but we are not yet there. And uh, this is why we are pursuing a very important project for us, which is Northern Gate, (coughs) which Shall link Polish coast uh, in the northern Poland via Denmark with Norwegian shelf. And uh, what is interesting is that Polish companies do have uh, shares in this Norwegian shelf since ten years, but uh, we were not able be able to get a direct link uh, with another source of supply of gas. And with the Northern Gate, we will complete a complete picture in terms of diversification of supply of gas to Central Europe, because that concerns not only Poland, but also uh, Central uh, European countries. So, I think that that, that reminds the, the backbone of our thinking about the, the future of strategy, uh, a future of energy. And uh, in this regard, uh, we are very interested in voicing our uh, aims and objectives at such meeting as, as today. Uh, of course, uh, the other way to, to secure uh, the provision of energy uh, in uh, uh, Europe and in particular in a country like Poland is to make sure that we do have and we are able to develop competitive technologies in this regard shale revolution has been a major shake uh, in the world energy panorama opening new providers of uh, oil and gas, uh, completely reshaping the geopolitics of oil and gas in the world. And although we uh, strived to develop also shale gas in Poland, uh, specialists say rocks are there, (laughs) but the prices are not there. (laughs) So we do have shale gas in Poland, but with current level of prices which will make sure that it's really a profitable uh, opportunity for us to uh, to dig into but it opened a a wide panorama for other possibilities like tight gas methane and uh, and others so it is yet another possibility to continue transatlantic partnership around (coughs) competitive technologies that can secure uh, new Uh, sources of energy uh, for European countries and for Poland in particular and last but not least Poland has a particularity specificity in Europe of uh, relying on very much on domestic source which is coal and in this regard uh, we are a little bit outside of the uh, traditional european scheme uh, in terms of relying not only heavily on coal but also uh, believing in the future of clean coal technologies and in this regard we would be very happy to uh, continue uh, building uh, links with uh, our american colleagues and finding ways in which these technologies, these new technologies could be uh, brought forward. Last but not least is certainly the question of nuclear and uh, whether or not uh, what would be the attitude of the new uh, administration towards new nuclear builds, in particular small reactors that is also the part of competitive technologies and that would be interesting to for us to follow and to engage in. So maybe I stop right now in terms of <laughs> Uh, introductory remarks, but I'll be happy to answer the questions.
3: Great. Yeah. Sounds like a heavy emphasis on technology from your side. So, sure. the, yeah.
5: Thank you. Uh,
4: and uh, it, it's really, it's an honor for me to be part of such a terrific panel. Uh, it, it really is. Uh, just on, with my Atlanta Council hat on, let me welcome a couple of more people here. Ambassador Viljik, uh from Poland, uh, Ambassador, uh, Ambassador, I always just say Rika because her last name is so hard. Ambassador Samakani, is that close? Uh, <laughs> uh, from Hungary, who has a, a, a tremendous uh, energy background, uh, uh, which uh, is important, I know, to your role here in Washington. Uh, I don't know if we have any more present ambassadors here, if there are. Uh, we do have former ambassador, uh, uh, my close friend, Ambassador Andra Shimony, who was the Hungarian ambassador to the U.S. and now is at SAIS. And, <coughs> which, um, and I'll make the general point first that whatever the new administration's policy is with respect to energy, uh, it's going to be even more important, I think, for organizations like the Atlantic Council, like uh, the Center for Transatlantic Studies that uh, uh, where Androsha is Managing Director, uh, and people outside of the government to keep talking, keep thinking, keep making recommendations, and not to let these issues uh, fall off the table. Uh, let me make a, a few... Uh, uh a few more maybe more general comments uh it's great again to be with dominique who we were there at the creation for the us eu energy council or eu us energy council depends if you're american you say the us eu european you say eu us but in any event uh, and i think that we need to urge and i hope that the new secretary of state given his energy background will uh, see that it's important to continue uh, the work of the Energy Council. And there's a lot of work that can be done that, as you point out, uh, uh, that will be in the interest of both uh, of both Europe uh, and the United States. Uh, uh, you were involved at the beginning, Dominique, on the research yep. and technology side yep. when you were the DG there. There's still a tremendous amount of work that can be done on research and technology. I might say, including things like carbon uh, sequestration, uh, that uh, you know, coal is a fact of life uh, in a place like Poland. And if there is really a technology that works, we would be foolhardy not to, uh, uh, not to push it. Maybe new nuclear technologies, a lot of other things that can relate to climate change. Uh, There's a lot that can be done with respect, as you said, also with respect to innovation, with respect to jobs, with respect to competitiveness, all of which should be of interest uh, to this new administration. Uh, One of the issues that does continue to come up would be, you know, what effect will a change in our relationship uh, with Russia have uh, on on European energy security? And we'll see if there is a change. Uh, as you all know, we've been very outspoken. I've been very outspoken about issues like Nord Stream 2, uh, issues about the, uh, about, the need, uh, about the need for diversification. And I, I, I hope that even if the administration pulls back with respect to the Nord Stream 2 issue, for example, that there are still uh, some very important points that need to be made. The issue doesn't necessarily need to be anti-Nord Stream 2, but it would certainly be in our interest that, in the United States as well as in Europe, that there be pro-diversification And that uh, uh, this this administration is very interested uh, in promoting LNG exports. Uh, I can make the argument that there's a contradiction uh, between Nord Stream 2 and LNG exports. Some might disagree with that. But in any event, as long as we are pushing On this side of the ocean and on the european side of the ocean for diversification uh, i think that is uh, uh, that that is uh, tremendously uh, tremendously important and uh uh, and i i think that's an approach that uh, would make sense i i would think certainly to somebody like tillerson hopefully uh to uh The new energy, uh, uh, new secretary of energy, and within, uh, and within the White House, and we we need to, I think, be very cognizant of framing the issues to this administration in a way that they will find uh, uh, more than acceptable, that will make sense. Uh, and that includes things like, as we said before, jobs, innovation, competitiveness, uh, diversification. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens on sanctions, we'll see what happens on Nord Stream 2, but we also have to remember, and sometimes I say to myself, God, does it, does it make a whole lot of difference what the United States says? Uh, you know, it might make some difference on the margins, uh, but this is still, these are still European issues. Uh, and there are divisions within Europe, I think, on, uh, on some of these issues. And hopefully, whatever this administration thinks or does, that Europe will continue to push towards an integrated market, to push towards uh, increased diversification. Uh, Europe's relationship with Russia is going to be what it's going to be. Maybe whatever we say or do, Uh, So we do have to remember this is still a European issue.
3: Do you want to speak to this issue?
1: Yes. uh, First of all, I will confirm the three main priorities we have in mind regarding the cooperation EU-US on energy market, diversification in the context of energy security, and pushing innovation in all fronts. I would like to add, which market is crystal clear? We will oppose firmly any attempt to politicize market from other key actors. And as you know, this has been the case in the past, and also in the recent past. Second, we have also with US managed in common some key issues such as Ukraine. We have supported our partner from the beginning in order to reduce Ukrainian dependence on energy. (laughs) In particular, in two years, it has been possible to organize reverse flow from Slovakia, from Hungary, from Poland to Ukraine. Since one year now, Ukraine has not imported any gas from Russia. And Ukraine has also reduced dramatically its energy consumption. So we would like to prolong this approach. And uh, we have largely insisted on that at the occasion of a recent summit with Ukraine at the end of November in Brussels, in the presence of President Poroshenko. Second, we have also managed with US the important uh, agreement with Iran, as you know. And uh, this agreement is based mainly on guarantees and on verification. And we will also insist with the new administration in order to give a clear priority to the full implementation Of the Joint Comprehensive Action Plan. Because you know, regarding this type of extremely sensitive issues, it is particularly important to see the two main uh, actors, US and EU, having also the command of the most sensitive nuclear technologies, including enrichment through centrifugation and reprocessing, paving the way in order to ensure, with uh, international atomic energy agencies, the verification will give sufficient guarantees in order to possibly open the door for other type of cooperations. Regarding the front of technologies, let me say uh, this will be decisive in all fronts. The point you refer, Richard, and the point you refer, Michel, because when I am considering, first of all, the digital new technologies in the context of a rapid digitalization of energy system, and in particular energy grid, this will represent a key challenge. The same is valid at the time we should together, US and EU, give more priority to cybersecurity in the context everybody knows. And energy critical infrastructure, including not only transmission but distribution grid, should be subject to common approach in that direction the same is true when we are speaking about carbon capture and sequestration or carbon capture and use because as you know this is requiring massive investment in research and uh, technologies and innovation and we are still only at the level of big demonstration project But the same is also valid when we are speaking about energy and storage. Electricity sector, let me say, will become more and more strategic. Why? Because you see, even when the energy demand will decrease, electricity demand will increase, requiring not only an adequate regulatory framework, and we have just proposed that at the end of November, for not only incorporating more flexibility in the system, but also more security. But at the same time, we are opening new market. The new market coming from digital market, but also the new market coming from electromobility. And electromobility, interoperability between electric vehicles and smart grid will become fundamental, as well as the same is valid when we are speaking about smart home. We are just before a real energy revolution, in the same model, we had this revolution for telecom. I mean, I mean with a, a small uh, industrial device it will be possible to have a full command of the world energy consumption. And this will require investment and innovation in order to, have to finish with the most performant equipment. And this is a challenge for US industry, as it is a challenge for European industry. And this is valid. Anytime we are speaking about generation, transmission, distribution of demand, because you know we have also new energies, we would like not only to import some industrial equipment necessary for photovoltaic solar energy. The same is valid also when we are speaking about turbines. All these aspects will require in summary, a real mobilization of forces and cooperation between uh, US and the EU key actors. You have in US a lot of very performant labs, combining public and private research and intelligence. We have also some. And uh, this should remain or should become also one of the top priorities mm-hmm. in the following month and years.
3: I'm hearing a lot on technology and investment uh, cooperation. Um, I want to move to something specific that Ambassador Morningstar brought up, um, which is you know we've we've there are some signals from the Trump administration that there could be a shift in the U.S. approach to Russia, and so I wanted to talk about you know if the U.S. were to scale back the degree to which it has protested against things like Nord Stream Two. Um, and other pipeline projects into Europe. What do you expect the effects of that scaling back to be? Um, do you think we would see, you know, perhaps a more active role from Poland, similar to what we've seen for the, from the last year? Um, I don't know if you want to take that first.
5: Well, from my perspective, it's too early to comment. I'm not uh, uh, inside Washington, so uh, what I can voice is only. Uh, uh, our uh, our interests uh, from warsaw certainly uh, as you mentioned uh, north stream 2 uh, is not in our opinion uh, a pipe which adds to european security it's not a commercial project uh, it is a project which uh, can, has, can have disastrous effects on the central European markets and on the security of supply uh, for countries like Ukraine. And when we talk about uh, security uh, of supply, we cannot ignore that it's part also of the security, in short, and that our efforts in terms of uh, stopping North Stream 2 are related with these security concerns that we have, uh, and uh, what I can see uh, is that uh, right now we have in Poland uh, European uh, American troops coming, and uh, so I consider this as part of. a overall strategy aimed at increasing security in this part of the world and uh, I would be happy uh, commenting from Warsaw (laughs) and not being part of Washington uh, uh, discussion which is uh, outside of my my reach I would be happy if we could think of, of the future of security and security of supply together, with our American partners. Uh,
4: you know, I, I, would cer- I would certainly agree with that. And it's, uh, you know, it is too soon to tell exactly what this administration's policy will be towards Nord Stream Two. Uh, if if I if I were in Las Vegas and I had to bet, I'd sort of bet that it would become sort of neutral. Uh, that you, will, you you probably, you may not hear that much from the U.S. administration about Nord Stream 2 like you have in the past. On the other hand, going back to some of the earlier points, there'll still be people like Andras and me screaming and ranting and raving about it, uh, which we have been for the last uh, uh, for the last few years. Uh, And don't forget also uh, this whole issue with Russia. uh, The Hill is going to have a lot to do with that. And that uh, uh, there are many on the Hill uh, who feel very, very strongly uh, about Central and Eastern Europe, uh, very strongly about uh, the need for uh, European energy security and its relationship to to Russian uh, Russian exports of gas. And the administration is going to have to deal, deal with that as well. But I still come back to the point, uh, ultimately, that, yeah, I think be, that we need to do all these things. And, and if, to the extent the administration isn't, saying, isn't talking about it, others, uh, others do. But ultimately, it's still going to be a European issue. <coughs> and there are divisions within Europe. Uh, and if the Central and Eastern European countries continue to feel strongly about it, they need to make their views known within Europe. And uh, uh, that's what's going to determine this issue more than, you know, uh, more than, certainly more than the United States. Sometimes I think we think we have, you know, more of an influence than we really do. Uh, and uh, we certainly have to be humble in, uh, uh, in expressing our opinions, I think.
3: Director General Restore, how do you balance those divisions within Europe when formulating a policy on something like that, particularly with global sort
1: of landscape changing. You know, uh, regarding all these aspects, it is important to base our judgment on fact and, and decision and position. When I am considering the rapid progress made in the front of energy security and security of supply for gas in Europe, Because we have presented an important package aiming at increasing solidarity and uh, finishing with a common position on all these issues, I am comforted on our capacity to react (coughs) and to react based on only one voice and one position. Uh, Let me give uh, one example. We presented in particular the proposal dedicated to intergovernmental agreement, I mean agreement prepared by any member states with third countries on energy issues. The fact that we have been in situation and I would like to take the opportunity to thank also our uh, Polish colleague and Polish government. But the fact that we have been in, in a position to finish with the support of the 28 member states and the support also of a parliament in order to ensure in the future full compliance regarding any draft of intergovernmental agreement and EU acquis, all EU energy acquis, including provision on energy security is uh, a dramatic progress. I would like to recall that in the past, we had uh, some IGA in contradiction of EU Lucky, but in support to some projects such as uh, Nord Stream 2, but it was in the past South Stream. And uh, uh, the evolution of uh, EU legislation into the direction of a reinforcement of the ex ante assessment will allow to be even more productive regarding uh, the evolution of European energy policy. And we will also enrich all this front in the context of security of supply gas regulation in the sense of organizing in Europe, in particular at regional level, what should be organized in case of emergency or crisis situation, and translating translating the concept of solidarity into practical decisions. You see, we are presently one of the most active sectors in the context of new legislative proposals. But it is not only uh, to add additional legislation. It is to reinforce the capacity of Europe to act at global level, at regional level, and united. And this, I think, as you said, will be fundamental and could help also to prolong that in the context of bilateral cooperation with US.
4: just to follow up on that, which I I agree, you know, one of the things that you talk about regulations and so forth, European law is tremendously important in all of this. Uh, And if you go back to South Stream, and uh, South Stream being shelved by the Russians, uh, I, I don't think that was so much the politics, I mean, it related clearly to politics, but they recognized that it was never going to pass muster under European law yeah. uh, in Brussels, yeah. and I think the you know close look at how European law applies to Nord Stream two uh, ultimately, even if it's by the Court of Justice, uh, is ultimately uh, going to be <laughs> going to be uh, uh, going to be very important. And that if in fact the EU, like it did with respect to Nord Stream and the Commission, and I know you feel this way. Is very strong in enforcing its regulatory scheme, forcing all participants in the European market, including Gazprom, to act according to its rules, and at the same time uh, implementing a r- real pro diversification policy. That's what's going to be the determinant in the end. It's not going to sure. be whether, you know, we're screaming or ranting about Nord Stream 2. It's oh, going to so be so. what. You all do, and and, and those areas. Absolutely.
3: Um, I want to. I've got <clears throat> a couple more. If we don't have questions from the audience, but I'd like to give people in the audience a chance to ask some questions. Um, so, yep. We want to start right here. Do we somebody have somebody passing the
4: microphones around? Where are them?
0: Just be loud. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay,
4: and if you could just, just <coughs> state your name Jeff
3: and affiliation. I'm
6: Jeff Lightfoot. Well. with the Council of Jones Group. And to
3: the Deputy Minister,
6: um, I wanted to ask you about six months away from the Vratsov Summit that Tom Cunningham mentioned, um, about six months away from Dubrovnik. So we're kind of at the midpoint. In the Dubrovnik Summit, uh, David and I were both, had the pleasure of being there. It's a very nice place to be in, in August. And it was nice, but it wasn't clear to me that it really produced any tangible outcome. So you're about six months away. What needs to happen between now and then for Wrocław to be a success, that produces something that shows that three C's north-south corridor is really real?
5: (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, That's a good question. I was also there in Dubrovnik, and uh, we expect to have the continuation in Wrocław. So uh, this time it will be Poland who will host three C's initiative uh, in Wrocław in the beginning of July. Uh, So certainly the subject that we discussed there, uh, which is completing north-south corridors from the south uh, would uh, have its importance and uh, in this regard, Kirk Island uh, terminal is still uh, uh, a practical objective that needs to be uh, translated into concrete actions. Uh, But on our side uh, in Poland, we are doing uh, this part of the job uh, by uh, uh, thinking about how Uh, north-south corridor could be uh, materialized and in this regard we did an important step by submitting to our colleagues in the European Commission a proposition to develop Polish-Slovakia interconnector which would would be part of this north-south corridor and which would help to transport gas from Northern Gate and from Terminal in Świnoujście to Slovakia but then also to the south, to Hungary and uh, also we have in mind uh, Ukraine as also being part of this bigger uh, security uh, network of pipes so these are the things certainly that we we are pursuing we are making progress on them and uh, and we should uh, continue
7: Okay. Would you like thank you, uh, Deborah Kagan, Johns Hopkins Theis. Um <coughs> First, I want to thank uh, the Director General and um, all of the panelists for their open-mindedness toward the new administration. I think it's always good to uh, try not to predict too hard and then be wrong. Um, I want to say on the one comment on Nord Stream 2 versus what this means for the U.S. I think if there was a competition between backing off, uh, the U.S. administration backing off of Nord Stream 2, and the possibility of lucrative markets for U.S. Um, suppliers and producers, which would create a huge number of jobs in the United States, the latter might win, um, even with this administration. So I think, I think I'm think i going to keep an open mind on that, because I think based on um, secretary of energy nominee perry's uh, testimony on the hill and he was just voted out of committee i believe this morning he was very open about these exports to europe and other places um, having said that i wanted to ask a question to the panelists about spot market prices one of the things u.s producers are going to be looking for is a willingness of european customers to actually sign contracts i think they know that the era of 10 year contracts may be over, um, but they're still looking for contracts, you know, in terms of finance and the shipping costs and everything else. And it's my view that some of our European colleagues have been lulled into a false sense of security by buying on the spot market, that they think those low prices are going to be infinite, <laughs> that they're never going to end. And I think that might be mortgaging. Um, an energy security future, and I wanted to know your views on that.
3: So, long-term contracts.
1: Yes, I will say the following. First of all, you refer to the end of a ban regarding oil export, but also the start of sub-export of gas from U.S. to Europe, and I would like to say. This has been an important achievement resulting from the US-EU cooperation on energy. This has not resulted at all to any other negotiation, in particular, in the context of the TTIP. The fact that US and the EU own energy in connection also with Congress in the US. I've been in situation to finish in, uh, at the end of uh, 2015 with the decision. This has been profitable for us and profitable for US also producers. Because let me say clearly, we are a big import, we Europeans. Our gas market is representing more or less each year around 400 billion cubic metrics of gas and uh, uh, our domestic production is declining in uk as well as in the netherlands accordingly any time we have global market with more quantities and global market becoming more competitive and liquid these are good news for us As uh, we explained also, it was important in our situation to push LNG. We presented a new European LNG strategy just before the last uh, G7 in Japan. Extremely important, because in our views, you know very well, what was important was to enrich or to add some additional Energy infrastructure, floating terminal, interconnection, in area in which we have still some member states vulnerable and dependent. Because the, sit- the panorama, the existing <coughs> panorama is characterized by many structures <laughs> in Western Europe, in France, in Spain, in UK, but less in Eastern Europe. And we are very pleased with the present development in Poland, in Lithuania, but also in Croatia, but also in Greece with Alexandropolis Terminal, etc. And this will be part of our approach regarding diversification. Regarding our responsibility in the context of European policy, this is our work to facilitate this development and to identify key European new projects in terms of interconnection or in terms of new gas terminal. For the rest, it is of course up to the promoters of projects to negotiate contracts. But we will will insist uh, vis-à-vis also the new US administration to prolong the present uh, ongoing development regarding uh, this capacity to export gas because this is new only one year and for many of our member states including or in particular also poland this is extremely important but uh, we at the level of european commission and we have an excellent bilateral cooperation on energy issues with poland let me say that publicly this uh, uh, will be tomorrow, even more important than yesterday.
3: U- U.S. LNG isn't just under competition from um, from Russian gas or other sources of gas. It's also facing competition from coal in Europe and from renewables. I mean, what do you think the chances are, or do you think there's a risk to the European market sort of passing U.S. gas developers by?
5: I don't see it in a short run. Mm. Uh, But uh, uh, answering your question, I think two ingredients must meet together: innovative technologies and competitive market. Uh, We have innovative technologies in US. I mean, shale revolution is uh, is an absolute breakthrough, and uh, we had uh, uh, we have been lucky, or we have been intelligent. uh, uh, or anticipating the events by deciding in 2005 to build an energy terminal in Poland. Anticipating uh, that it might be uh, uh, a level for security of supply but not imagining <laughs> that it could be a, to that point uh, 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 opening uh, a new era of, uh, of energy supplies because LNG right now becomes uh, uh, just like oil you can just transform it tra- transport it by ship and then it's uh... so that, that that's an interest, uh, extremely interesting development um, uh, innovative technologies has completely changed the, 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 the America uh, is uh, position in the energy world but not only in the, in the energy world we can think about what would be uh, the, the 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 position of of United States regarding, uh, for example, OPEC. Uh, if uh, what would be the impact of OPEC uh, if there were no shale revolution in uh, in US, and then we are following very closely the prices, the spot prices of LNG. <coughs> uh, and here we come to the idea of competitive market. Competitive market means a market in which alre- also. You can have a comparable uh, frameworks. Uh, and one issue is our legal frameworks, but the other is that we are still having two different uh, sets of benchmarks. You have Henry Hub uh, in the US and you have TTF in, in Europe. If we want to uh, trade gas uh, in Europe and increase, uh, the share of lng from Euro, uh, american companies i think the question mark would be to what extent uh, uh, they should adapt also to the context of this big 400 billion cubic meter yep. uh, perspective market um, and uh, if the both ingredients are met together, I think it could be it could be really very interesting for both parties.
4: Ambassador okay. Morningstar, uh, yeah, a couple of points. First of all, just on the point on renewables and new technologies, all of that is going to relate ultimately energy efficiency. All of that's going to rel- relate ultimately to gas demand, and you know, it's more of a mid to long term issue, I think. Uh, whereas Deborah's question, I think, would relate more to short to mid term. Uh, so let me just respond briefly uh, to uh, to Deborah. I certainly understand your point, and and I think there is it is possible to get lulled into uh, some kind of feeling of security with respect to prices. But I guess I'm not quite as worried as you would be uh... with with respect to that issue first of all i would say that it's really important that european countries and companies not get involved in long-term contracts as best as best as can that can be done uh, because uh... you know we've seen how the lower prices in the last couple of years has affected prices in europe even even with respect to renegotiation of long-term contracts so uh, I I do think it's important and I think they will be long-term contracts will be uh, avoided I hope uh, as much as possible there are going to be swings in price uh, but the point being as long as there is diversification of supply particularly with respect to LNG whether from the United States or other sources that is going to help keep Prices down on a relative basis, whatever the swings, you know, whatever the swings might be. So yeah, I mean, you know, there's always been volatility in prices. I don't think they're going to be huge swings like maybe there have been in the past, but there will be some swings, and it's important to have uh, uh, a lot of LNG available. One risk that I've heard, which I'm not sure I think is a huge risk, is if there is global increase in gas prices and if that affects Henry Hub prices uh, that that could lead uh, and the administration perhaps uh, to to, uh, uh, rely on or to implement a national security uh, exemption and to uh, restrict restrict exports uh, in order to keep prices lower uh, in the United States. I don't really see that likely to happen i mean if there were to be an increase in prices i think you would just see a lot more u.s gas production and i don't think there would be uh, any need uh, to uh, uh, to restrict exports so yeah it's an issue uh, but i think that uh, the market will work itself out there may be some increases up and down over time but at least at this point i don't expect anything dramatic as long as there's availability and as long as there's diversification, and that Europe continues to push that strategy.
3: Okay, we got another question. Um, Jean in the back. Thanks. Uh, this is Jean Chemnick at E! News. I wondered um, a twofold question. One, um, the U.S. is likely to leave or at least scale back its its um, commitment to the Paris Agreement here fairly soon. Um, what kind of um, you know message will that send to Europe, and how might that affect other aspects of the European relationship with the U.S. And secondly, uh, Rex Tillerson, you, know, is, is poised to become Secretary of State. How do you see him influencing energy uh, diplomacy programs at the State Department, and, and how may they shift?
4: Thanks.: I guess I, guess I can start. Uh, one, if you make the assumption that the United States pulls back from <laughs> Paris, and that's still an assumption, you know, I think it would have a terrible effect. Uh, uh, overall on our foreign policy uh... that uh, uh... and i think it could have a spillover effect into other areas of our foreign policy I've, speaking from this podium before i've said and i think dominique will remember certainly yeah. when we pulled back from kyoto i was still our ambassador to the no. eu and that had a really serious effect not just on kyoto but it had a serious effect on our dealings overall uh, with European, with the EU, with European countries, with cooperation uh, on, uh, on other issues. Uh, if we were to pull back, I think that we do have to recognize that Paris would go on without us. Uh, and that uh, all we would be doing would be ceding leadership, which we have, I think, successfully attained, uh, to a great extent, during the Obama administration, but ceding leadership to others, including China. Uh, and I think China would just would jump right on the bandwagon and would claim to be, uh, along with the EU and others, to be the leader uh, on uh, um, on implementing climate change. Having said all that, uh, I would be surprised if we did pull back from uh, uh, from Paris. I don't think we'll be as active. Uh, I think for the period of this administration we it may be more laissez-faire. But again, I think we have to make the argument to this administration what a mistake it would be because there's so much we have to gain. Forget climate change and what you think about climate change. There'd be so much to gain from development of green technologies to making sure that we were leaders in green technologies to make sure that we were creating the kinds of jobs that we could create that we cooperated with others such as uh, uh, such as the EU with respect to innovation uh, in developing these technologies so you know I think there could be some uh, there could be some pullback I would hope that we would not withdraw. Some say, well, it's a long withdrawal process. That's true, but if we said we were going to withdraw, I don't think the long withdrawal process really means much. It, we just wouldn't be doing anything. But I, I hope that we don't get ourselves into that position. And I think that, you know, some of the, you know, a person like Tillerson has recognized climate change as being important. He's, uh, I think Exxon has actually supported carbon pricing uh, to an extent anyway. Uh, I, I don't think he would. Uh, I don't think he would advocate uh, <coughs> pulling back. And I would hope, given his energy background, that uh, the, the State Department would still be very active in the energy sector. I would find it hard to believe, for example, that he would eliminate the Energy Bureau that was set up, you know, during the past administration. Uh, you know, I've learned never to say never, but. Uh, uh, I'm somewhat hopeful, would, uh, more hopeful of Tillerson than if it had been some of the other possible secretaries of state.
3: Director General story.
1: Yes, uh, I Emily, mean, the Paris Agreement is an historical agreement, regrouping all countries in the world. And the uh, US has been instrumental, has played an important role for the finalization of the agreement. At the same time, we are considering that as a real challenge for energy. Because you know, in reality, the implementation of Paris is, first of all, an energy challenge. Why? Because more than two-thirds of emissions are resulting from production and use of energy. Mm -hmm. Accordingly, presently, it's more important than ever to consider that as, as you said, Richard, a real economic opportunity. An economic opportunity in order to adapt energy policy in a way profitable, in fact, for US economy, for EU. economy and the rest of the world, to say, and in a way profitable for American people and European people. And the challenge is, first of all, an economic challenge. When I refer before to the measures aiming to develop energy efficiency, these are measures in situation to contribute a lot to the reduction of emissions, but at the same time to contribute also to the relaunch of economic development everywhere, including in the cities. But profitable in terms also at the end of the day, profitable for all people uh, regarding quality of life and quality of comfort. This is the real presentation of things. And regarding your point uh, concerning uh, Mr. Tillerson. Uh, you know one thing is to be the boss of uh, one of the most important energy companies, ExxonMobil. Another point is to become the boss of US diplomacy. But I am completely confident he uh, will play completely the new role incorporating all the points we discussed uh, this morning in Washington. And uh, regarding energy, because energy, we have this decisive role. It will be well placed in order to see how to address the challenge.
4: Let me just add one point, and, and Mm -hmm. uh, and that is that as far as withdrawing from Paris, one of the biggest constituencies that we have here for not withdrawing from Paris is business. And yep. there, as many of you know, there was something like 350 companies that met some couple of months ago, basically telling the new administration don't withdraw from Paris. I don't even think that the international energy companies would like to see us withdraw from Paris because not only when I talked about spillover effects uh... uh... in the foreign policy area one of the things I found when we withdrew from Kyoto in uh, 2001 I had businesses (coughs) coming to me when I was the ambassador saying still the ambassador they Bush administration kept me hidden there for eight months uh... at least Colin Powell and Rich Armitage did. Uh, but the companies would uh, you know, would uh, come to me and say, how can, you know, how can the administration do this? It's making it difficult for us to operate uh, in various countries, who are saying, why should we cooperate with you when your government is uh, doing this? So I think that there is a very strong business constituency to stay with Paris. And I think that will have, I hope, uh, a serious political effect. Did you want you add
5: anything? Maybe, maybe to, uh, to have a, a perspective, uh, which is a perspective of a member country of European Union, because we have two uh, frameworks. One is Paris Agreement, which is an international framework for uh, over 190 countries, yes? And the other is uh, inside uh, European Union. And uh, a Paris Agreement provides which uh, much more flexible uh, way to attain uh, the objectives. And uh, in this regard, I think that it, uh, there is room to find the uh, specific, um, for each country, a specific way of reaching the goals uh, without undermining its economic competitiveness, mm-hmm. because as Dominique said, uh, uh, this is uh, a very uh, big challenge uh, for the energy uh, because, uh, in fact, uh, lots of efforts are concentrated on the energy.
3: Okay, We got another. Maybe why don't we take um, both questions? You had a question as well? So let's take them both and and then answer
6: morning uh, Bob Icord uh, for the Atlantic Council, formerly of State Department um, mm-hmm. thank you all and Dominique it's good to see you again Hello. Um, The uh, energy community is now past its tenth anniversary and as you know Dominic, we work very, the u s worked very closely with with the uh, e- Commission and uh, other EU states to create the energy community and as Dick pointed out, that legal framework and its expansion to the countries in the Balkans and to to Ukraine, Moldova, and recently to Georgia, uh, sets a framework for development of diversification and competitive energy market. What, What is your sense as to reflections on how it's done over the 10 years, on issues such as Southern Card and other key issues. And uh, what, what's your sense of the future? Where is it going? And is it, is it still a viable uh, approach to European security?
3: OK. And let's just take one more um, since we're going to have to wrap up.
6: I didn't know there was an answer to that question yet. Uh, okay. So uh, my name is Mark Haynes. I'm with what's called the Next Generation Nuclear Plant Industry Alliance. Uh, here in town, and uh, this is a question for Minister kurtika uh, would you be willing you mentioned nuclear uh, energy and there hadn 't been much talk about it, but would you be willing to talk about the potential for cooperation between the u s and Poland and maybe eu more broadly on the development of inherently safe next generation high temperature nuclear power for security of supply and and uh, substitution for natural gas uh, in industry.
3: Okay, maybe if you want to take that one first then we can go back to the broader question. Mm
5: -hmm. Yep, so thank you very much for your question. Indeed, I didn't enter into details regarding the nuclear projects, but we we do see a potential in uh, small reactors uh, of next generation and uh, we have opened a cooperation, international cooperation regarding that and uh, uh, your alliance plays an important role in, in, in this we have also uh, uh, a comparable network in European Union uh, as, as, as you know and um, we think that there is a big niche, market niche uh, to be developed, which would not only satisfy economic constraints, because for the moment the biggest challenge in Euro- uh, in America is to compete with gas. But but in European Union it's a little bit different, and in the world we shouldn't forget it's different. There are countries like China uh, building uh, new uh, f- for, uh, fourth generation uh, reactors. And we as uh, Europeans as, and as Americans, we should strive to keep the path uh, with these developments. And in this regard, we are pursuing very actively project of developing a high temperature gas cooled reactor in Poland in cooperation, international cooperation with uh, uh, many colleagues uh, from different countries in the world uh, including uh, United States, uh, but also from European countries. Um, and I do believe it is, uh, it is the, uh, one of the answer uh, for uh, bringing together us uh, around a, a very, very smart uh, objective. Uh, Just when I'm uh, answering uh, for the second question, although it was asked for Dominique, <laughs> Uh, regarding okay, energy, okay. energy community. Uh, we as Poland, we consider it as an important tool uh, for uh, strengthening relations uh, between Central European countries. And as you know, historically, uh, the links were rather done in the axe uh, east-west or west-east, it depends on where you go. But we are striving to uh, to develop north-south cooperation and in this regard energy community plays an important role and and uh, Dominic is is doing a great job in this regard and last but not least energy community is a factor also of stability and and brings European uh, legal framework uh, for these countries and uh, I think that they did a tremendous job in terms of helping Ukraine with uh, gas Uh, new law and uh, we should support it
1: yes I can only add the following Uh, energy community is a real energy success first of all I co-chair the last uh, energy community ministerial in Sarajevo and it was crystal clear that all the progress made were impressive. Why? Because energy community is a unique model, unique model, of exporting to neighboring countries our legislation in terms of market, but not only, because now you are also implementing in these countries, in Western countries, but also in Ukraine, but also now in Georgia, because the last meeting in Sarajevo was that of uh, Georgia joining the club. This is a fantastic opportunity to do the things based on the same approach regarding market, the same approach regarding all key energy issues, based on transposition, transposition of our working. This has been instrumental for Ukraine, Michel, as you refer to the transposition of, in fact, Hmm. our gas directive. And we will prolong that regarding regional electricity market. And in addition, we have decided now to go also into the same direction regarding all aspects of interconnection and key energy infrastructure will identify in common the key interconnection for gas and electricity indispensable for this market with the Balkans. So uh, I don't know any of success based on the same approach regarding market and all energy issues. And uh, I would like to pay a tribute also to US for having supported this approach since the beginning as you said it's a 10th anniversary but 10 is uh, it's, it's still a, a very young new organization energy community that's functioning very well with an active secretariat uh, installed in, uh, uh, in vienna and in situation with our help to support all the efforts of all this group of countries thank you very much for pointing this important uh, component of our uh, energy action and initiative and diplomacy, too.
3: Okay, and I think with that, we're at our time. So um, thank you all very much for coming, and thank you all for taking the time out of your days and what I'm sure busy D.C. schedule. Thank
1: you.